Welcome to the Cumberland FA Podcast. So, uh, welcome to this second of our Ask the Referee series. I'm delighted to be joined by Steve McMahon, Senior County Referee. Uh, Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Scott. So, uh, how are you coping with the current sort of lockdown situation, Steve? Well, it's a bit difficult because, you know, Robert Hudson, the son who's at home with me, he's in high risk, so he has to be shielded. But I'm managing to get most of me... uh, groceries etc online via Iceland and Asda and I've got some very good neighbours who get me some decent pieces week by week so all in all we're getting by I'm glad to hear because I've now I've spoken to you a couple of times over, over this sort of uh situation we find ourselves in. I know I've offered some support. I know you said you've got a good um, sort of uh, network of friends and things and neighbours. So uh, glad to hear. You've offered support. Ben has, um, Adam Pattinson, numerous referees have, and um, numerous, you know, I've got probably five or six um, neighbours who have asked uh, if, you know, to let me go need anything. But, you know, just using the one next door who just gets me four or five, six items a week that we need. And, uh, you know, we're getting by in and uh, we're getting out for a walk every so often, so we're getting some fresh air. Great. Unfortunately, good weather's allowed the old garden to be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've known you a long time, Steve. I've known you since um, I came to the county in October 2003. And over that time, I know we've worked together uh, on the on the circuit as referee and linesman together, etc. On each other's games. Um, when I first knew you, you were the league secretary for the Cumberland County League. Was that correct? Yeah, it was a county league then. Um, sorry, Cumberland County League. Yeah, but um, it was mainly based in West Cumbria, and it wasn't until the Carlisle League uh, sort of collapsed that teams from Carlisle came and joined the league as well, which expanded it into two leagues. Yeah, because um, you say West Cumberland, because I know you're the chairman as well, aren't you, for the Referee Society in West Cumberland? I am, yeah. I've been for, oh, I don't know, maybe 14, 15, maybe even more years. Um, came across to West Cumberland and joined the society. Within a few weeks, I became treasurer and took over the secretary's role. And then eventually went and uh, took over the, the chairman's role. So you're someone like myself who, over the years, has had many hats, because I know that... Um, uh, you were an assessor, or now we call them observers. I know you, you've uh, observed many of my game, um, like yourself. Um, I'm now uh, a level, well, level four supply league observer. Um, but also, I know that uh, you're on the CFA discipline panel, and I know we've chaired a couple. You've chaired, or we've been involved in a couple of disciplines over the years as well. So lots of hats, Steve. Yeah. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder which one to pull. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I mentioned your refereeing, and you touched on it a little bit there as well. Um, so, obviously, uh, I know that you, you have refereed um, prior to uh, coming to Cumberland, but how long have you sort of been uh, a referee, and how long have you been in Cumberland, and when did you start? How old were you? Well, I joined the Cumberland referees, or the CFA, should I say, um, three years ago. Um, that's a long while, 1980, what, 1988, I think it was. <clears throat> Um, 87 perhaps um, but before that I was um, registered in um, Scunthorpe Society and the, the Lincolnshire FA before that it was the Loughborough and Leicestershire FA and I started off in uh, Bridlington and was joined the East Riding Free Society um, and joined the um, Humberside well it, it was the Humberside FA as they called it then but it was the um, East Yorkshire FA um, so all in all, over 40 years, been refereeing. Fantastic. And you're, and you're still refereeing now, don't you? Yes, yeah. Um, 
obviously my last game was just before the um, the COVID kicked in, and that would have been uh, up at the ranch in Workington, and it was um, one of the uh, Workington sides versus Aspetra. Yeah. So before you um, before you took up the whistle, though, did you ever play football? I did. Um, I played for a team called Bridlington Wanderers in the Driffield and District League. Um, and after finishing playing, I managed them for a couple of years uh, before I moved into moved into football. So you played then, and so what position did you hold? Um, Centre half mainly, um, but one week towards the end of my season. Um, Towards the end of my career as a referee, sorry, beg your pardon, as a as a player, uh, we were short in midfield, so I went into midfield and scored two goals on my debut, <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, quite interesting. I was also the captain of the team, but um, I was only sort of as you would class a, a, an average local player, um, nothing nothing over over more than average. But you took up the whistle, and so what do you remember about starting off as a referee then? I received from refereeing colleagues in the society I joined, um, which helped me through the, the first few difficult years. I mean, in those days, the, the county affairs were very different than they are now, and there was very little support and training that was essential, in my view, to, to join an active society and get the advice of your, your more experienced colleague. Yes, absolutely. It was the same when I was coming through as well. Um, so, talking about advice, um, have you got any advice for young referees then? to get involved in activities off the field of play, especially those supported by the CFA, um, the Cumberland Referee Society, West Cumberland Referee Society, and most importantly, the Youth Council. Um, would also ask them to uh, suggest to them that, um, that they, they always attend you know, meetings and on and off the field activities, um, very smart dress, um, and that they treat all players, club officials, uh, with the same respect as they would expect to receive from them. Good. Finally, I would suggest. Sorry, finally, I would suggest that they have full knowledge of the laws within, which would assist them to officiate in a confident manner, which is important and to the best of their ability. Yeah, some good advice there, Steve. And I certainly like the uh, the bit about the respect that um, that they should be showing to club officials and players. Um, so um, obviously uh, a long career in refereeing, but um, do, you, do you remember who had the sort of big biggest influence in your refereeing starting off? Stephen, that's um, a lovely answer, and uh, you know, having having met Trish a few times, uh, and and obviously knowing you the lot as long as I have done, um, obviously, um, you know, the support of a good woman behind you, or you know, um, allowing you to go out there and referee uh, and to do the things you love, um, you know, that support is is, is yeah. needed, isn't I mean, it? Especially in the early days, I came across many referees. Um, 
one in fact who was a very um, one of the head men down at uh, Wembley affair um, you know who I officiated with and you know, they seem to make the referee inside a bit more important than the family as well I saw so many of them end up speaking up from the wives and things that you know I thought it was important always and Chris was saying that and that's always well, that's um, that's a great answer. Thanks for that, Steve. So, um, sort of my next question is moving on to sort of getting to sort of the level you got to, because I know um, obviously uh, we've had many a conversation over the years, and I know uh, I'm hoping you're going to refer refer to the um, the time where you were fourth official at a Carlisle United match. Have you now? Well, um, so should we do you want to talk about that now, or should we come back to that and talk about any setbacks? Um, no setbacks. Yeah, um, I can't really say that any setbacks. Um, I've always enjoyed the games I've been officiating. The officiating. Uh, I've always enjoyed the various leagues I've been in, <clears throat> and the highs I got to was the Northern Premier League. You know, we've been travelling um, across the North East. As far as um, Annick on occasions, um, down to Cheshire, I went down to Cheshire, you know, so there was a lot of travelling involved. Um, and, you know, over those times, you, maybe sometimes you won't get the recognition you hoped you would do and then, then, then get the final year or there. But overall, the number of finals I've had and everything else, I can't look back and say, I really can remember any setbacks. I thoroughly enjoyed my career at all times. Fantastic. But you talk there about, obviously, some of the travel involved. And obviously, the higher up in the game you go, there's a lot more expectation for travelling. And particularly, obviously, um, from anyone, and I know we've had a few friends and colleagues from out uh, West Cumbria, um, obviously having to get from West Cumbria to the motorway and then onto their, their fixtures in the North, East and West. And, um, but how did you balance your sort of uh, refereeing with your nine to five job, Steve? Well, I was quite fortunate in that um, in the office job I, I had at that time, um, we had, you know, we operated flexi time. So you, know, you had some sort of flexibility as to when you walk, when you came in in the morning and when you left at night and how long you had for lunch, etc. Um, but there were occasions when I was travelling, you know, down to the Manchester area for night matches or over to the northeast <clears throat> when, you know, I had to leave before the flexi time commenced, that, you know, which would be four o'clock. Unfortunately, I had a very, very good and understanding boss director of finance um, who you know he liked his own sport and he was understanding of what I was doing and bringing sort of a little bit of um, recognition to you know to the job I was in as well and he would allow me to go earlier and uh, you know I always had to make the time up but you know wherever I was going in terms of distance didn't yeah, that's really important, isn't it? And anyone listening and, uh, you know, referees wanting to progress, having that sort of understanding relationship with, um, you know, your employer, um, being honest and, and talking about, you know, your games and things with them gives you that opportunity sometimes to have that flexibility, doesn't it? Correct, indeed, yeah. I mean, you know, some some night matches that, you know, you talked about in Manchester and, and even when you go to Barrow, you know, certainly, you know, it's, you know, potentially a, a midnight return or if not, sometimes one o'clock. Oh, yeah, I mean, there was always a, an unwritten rule 
on a night game over an X, X a distance, you know, X number of miles. But when it came down to it, I don't think the bloke who was doing all the appointments had any idea of the geography of the area. So you could end up doing, I say, going up to, right over to the northeast and, and down into the Manchester Basin, that's what we used to call it. Uh, yeah, you, you could get back well after midnight at times. Yeah. So, um, you know, going back into sort of in back in history, which one ex player from the past uh, would you have liked to have refereed? It's a difficult question, really, because I've thought about it and there isn't anybody who I could really say, if I was forced to pick one, it would be somebody like Billy Bremner or Roy Keane. Um, as, you know, I think they would have tested my ability to keep control of the game, and especially them. Yeah, good choice. It's certainly battling combative midfielders, certainly, um, as, as we know, they, they often challenge us, don't they? And uh, we're obviously running alongside them in the centre midfield, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, in, in all the games I've refereed, and my memory of midfielders, and they are the most difficult ones to referee, especially the, the, the ones who aren't so tall, the smaller ones, because they seem to have this big chip on the shoulder that they've got to prove something because of the height and the strength and everything else. And, you know, Billy Brown, and Roy Keane, other people, are, even at local level, we can think of some. We can, but um, we'll keep the names to ourselves. Well, absolutely, yeah. You can think of some who, you know, are very difficult to refer in, and they're all the same sort of stature as Billy Brown and Roy Keane. Absolutely. And, and numerous people back here, Nobby Styles and all sorts of people. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, looking into the past, um, who would you say has been the best referee? Well, I'm going to go back as far as 1974. Because uh, in those days, we were watching match of the day when there was only one match on the TV. And then the World Cup came along. And it was the referee who refereed the World Cup final, Jack Taylor. Yeah. Because uh, he refereed the World Cup final between West Germany, as, as they were then, the Netherlands. <clears throat> and the way he refereed that game, and not just that game, but his other games in that, that particular competition, basically gave me the inspiration to become a referee. He gave a penalty, didn't he, in the first minute? First minute, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What a great choice, Jack Taylor. Yeah, one of our finest, um, yeah. finest referees. Yeah, fantastic. I think you could be right. I think, yeah. yeah, I think you could be right. Someone I'm sure will, will uh, look to try and prove us wrong, but... Um, well, I'm pretty certain he was the first Englishman, even from the UK, to, to referee a World Cup final. Mm. So talking about memorable games and things like World Cups and things and Cup finals, uh, what's the most memorable game you've been involved in? I think we alluded well, to it earlier. Yeah, yeah, you touched on it earlier on. Um, we, we go back to 3rd of May, 1994. Um, I was acting as fourth official in a Division Three football league, Division Three game at Carlisle United versus Shrewsbury Town at Carlisle. And um, Shrewsbury had already been crowned champions, and Carlisle had to uh, win that particular game to keep their chances of the playoffs open. Um, so you can imagine it was pretty well attended with just under 10,000 on the gate. And uh, as I said, I was officiating as the fourth official and the referee, if my memory said me right, was David Allison. Um, oh, yeah. From Lancaster. Lancaster, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he got injured just before like, half time. His hamstring went. Uh, he tried to get some uh, treatment at um, half time and actually went into Carlisle United's dressing room and 
uh, saw Peter Hampton, who was the physio then, excuse me, and asked me if it was busy. I said, no, not really. And I explained what it was. And I said, right, ask him to go into my room opposite the referee's room and I'll come in and look at him. And I thought afterwards, I'll put me on Steve, what are you doing this for? <laughs> because, you know, if he gets in right, I'm not going to get on. But again, I look back and think, well, that was the professionalism you needed. You know, I was trying to obviously help the referee and then get him through the, the whole game. But he went out and within a minute he had to come off. So um, I went on for the second half. Um, you know, the whole of the second half. So though I've not actually, um, I didn't make the football league. I've done, you know, I've officiated in the Division Three football league game, which I look back on and you know it always gives great memories. Carlisle won two one, so it maintained their playoff hopes. Um, after the game, well, I always remember the, the Shrewsbury Town captain number five, um, great big strapping number five. My um, first decision I had to give was against this team, and he tried to give me a real hard time. But he had to come across because it was you know, near the touchline to where I was. <clears throat> and uh, it was the best thing he did for me because the crowd gave him you know, a really hard time after that. So it, it just kept the crowd off me and I could enjoy the game in the atmosphere and, and you know, do the job I was expected to do. Um, and after the game, Colin Seal, who was working for the radio then, came into the dressing room and did an interview. Um, my boss, as I said, was a, you know, a great boss. He, he actually got in touch with the... They work into the Times and Star, and they got a big article in the paper. And uh, Carl United sent me a video of the game, which I still have. Oh, fun. I can still play because I've got a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic memory. So I just want to pick you up on a couple of points. So, uh, so Dave Allison, um, who's actually just last uh, last year retired from the football league um, uh, as a as the appointments officer for the referees, is um, still working in the role as the FA as an advisor um, and a match day delegate. But um, so, did you replace Dave in the middle? or Did you go on the line? No, no. I went as assistant. I went onto the far side um, away from the dugouts. Um, the chap who was on that side came across and did the dugout side and the chap who was on the dugouts um, I can't remember his name something called Taylor um, from Preston Frank Taylor actually, was it Frank yeah um, he actually went into the middle and it was you know it, it was his um, first occasion doing the middle as well in the football league right so there was two firsts on that night <clears throat> but again he was good he was good because it's certainly in the first few about five or ten minutes he, he, he he was slightly out of position, if you like, but he did that just to make sure he was across near me and so, you know, just making sure I'd sort of slipped into the role okay, as was he. And then he, he gradually just went and did his normal, uh, normal patrol path and, and left me alone. What memory. And uh, so can you imagine nowadays if someone like, um, well, someone from the city or some Cumbria being fourth official at Brunton Park? I mean, nowadays, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly appointments that are, Obviously, not connected to the town as such, or yeah. to the city. So, yeah, well, I think I think it, it stayed like that because we used to share it myself, and I think Mike Mike Stark did some. I think Mike Stark maybe did some. Colin from um, Penrith, he, he did a few twelfth officials, but I was the only one, to the best of my knowledge, who actually had the opportunity to get them. Colin Bainbridge from Penrith. Colin Bainbridge, mm. yeah. and there was a couple of years after that. I think that they changed the process, and obviously. So, not just of how it is now, so uh, as you said, the chances of anybody from the you know this area getting on as a fourth official and getting on as uh, on the games probably way gone by. Yeah. Well, um, next question I've got is um, sort of about pre-match rituals. Did you ever have any pre-match rituals? No, again, not really. Um, I always used to pack my bag the night before, 
uh, before I before I departed or whatever, I would probably check it two or three times again. And that was a, sort of the nearest the pre-match ritual I had. Uh, Trish would always say that pre-match rituals, uh, 10 minutes before I was due to be picked up to visit the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I could always tell when you were going to be picked up 10 minutes before you go and visit the toilet. Yeah. Which, uh, again, was not a bad thing because it was you know, the nerves kicking in and then getting ready and mentally prepared for the game. Yeah. So that pre-match ritual then, I suppose, was almost like a, a piece of advice you would give to to a 16 or 17 year old referee just starting off, making sure that they're ready and prepared, not just leaving oh, to the last minute. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, an absolute essential. You know, don't leave it till the morning before, each of the morning of the game, or the, the afternoon of the game. You know, get your kit ready the night before. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, Trish was always very good. She, she always washed my kit. She was even known to wash my boots. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, That's what your two sons were for, Steve. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't want to be like me last year in a um, senior county cup semi-final and find you haven't got your shorts and no one else in the team has got any, so you ended up going out with you the uh, the club, the home club's goalkeeper shorts on. I mean, I, I can think of people, I mean, there's been one this year, won't mention any names, but you arrived without your shorts at a game. Um, you had to go and borrow some from one of the, one of the uh, teams. Um, I've been with people that forgot their socks uh, and all sorts of things. Uh, a gentleman that we've already mentioned, um, you know, I was on the game with him in the Northern Premier League. He came across to me halfway through the first half. Steve, I said, what? He said, can you bring your cards out? I said, yeah. He said, can I have them? I forgot mine. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> uh, now, the only thing I've ever forgotten, uh, I've walked out of the dressing rooms for the start of the game, got almost to the centre circle and thought, bloody hell, I haven't got a ball. I haven't got <laughs> the ball in the changing room. <clears throat> I used to have a nasty habit of um, coming in at half time, um, as you do, sitting down, putting you—you have your whistle in your hand, you take your whistle off, put it down, and you end up putting it back in your kit box. And then you go out again for the second half, and you suddenly realise my whistle's in the changing room. And there's a number of referees that maybe listening to this, um, if they even want to listen. But certainly, there's a couple of referees probably chuckling now, knowing that yep, I've been on game with Scott when he's left his whistle behind, because that used to always happen to me. Well, I did something similar a couple of years ago. Um... I went out with um, a jersey on with sleeves in. It turned out to be very warm. So about half time, all the teams, both teams stayed outside, ran to the dressing room, put a sleeveless top on, uh, and obviously had to take me whistle out and me and cards and everything. Put everything back in, forgot the cards. <laughs> so I went out in second half, I went to book somebody, oh, now I've got my cards. I had to go across to Adam Pat. Um, Adam. Well, even the best do it because I remember seeing a um, a Premier League ref at Everton once uh, show an imaginary yellow card. I think it was Peter Walton in a Premier League game yeah. a few years back. Actually, put his hand up as a caution, but there was nothing in his hand. Yeah. There you are. yeah. yeah. But again, it, it, 
mean, it's there to inform the spectators more than anything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, you look a little bit silly when you don't have <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've come to the last question, Steve. So, um, look, looking back, uh, is there anything you wish you had achieved in the game? I suppose, if I was perfectly honest, I would have liked to run a little bit higher than the Northern Prem. But, you know, when I look back, I, I was satisfied with what I had achieved, what I did, what I did achieve in the knowledge I was always... Uh, acting in the correct manner, showing respect to my um, fellow match officials and, and obviously the various clubs and, uh, and players I visited. And most importantly, I think I always represented my county FA with the right attitude and professionalism. Yeah, so although I didn't, I didn't get as high as perhaps I hoped I would do and I set out, I was extremely happy with what I had done. I, I look back on my career and I enjoyed every minute of it and haven't missed I mean, I actually thought when I sort of finish, you know, when they changed the situation at Carlisle United uh, and the fourth official, I thought that's what I'd missed the most. And I never, it never bothered me one bit because I'd done what I'd done and I couldn't do any more. I'd been on again, you know, did one half of the full match and you know, I, I look back and, and you know, I was very satisfied and I'm still enjoying the refereeing side of it now and giving back into the game, you know, in many other things like observing and, and you know, working for the CFA, etc. as well. So, you know, I've enjoyed what I've done. I can't say I'm disappointed with anything and, you know, I just move on. Well, you know, there's going to be many a referee who's going to hang out their boots on whistle and never, ever get anywhere near tasting Football League action. And, uh, you know, you've got that on your CV and that's a, mem- that's a memory you can um, you can keep and, uh, and tell the lads and and share and well Steve you know it's been an honour uh, to speak to you tonight and to go through a few of these questions with you um, appreciate your time um, obviously stay safe you and the boys uh, and obviously look after yourself and uh, we'll catch no doubt each other again soon when all this sort of uh, lockdown is finished and I'm sure we'll have a pint and uh, and another natter uh, in a few months yeah. time thanks so much Steve Yourself, Helen, and the, the kids keep safe as well. Thanks, Steve. Stephen Mann, everyone. Cheers now. All right, bye now. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Cumberland FA or like Cumberland FA on Facebook for more episodes.